millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It's all got to stop. They've had enough. The worms are turning. The rebellion of the long hairs is getting underway. They're tired of persecution. They're tired of taunts. They're tired of losing their jobs. They're tired of being sent home from college. They're tired of being sent home from school. They're tired even of being refused the dole. So with the nucleus of uh, some of his friends, a 17-year-old, David Jones, has just founded the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Long-Haired Men. Well, here we are. Long-haired men, you've got to have your hair, what, nine inches long before you can join? Well, I think we're past that over now. Have you? Yes. Now, exactly who's been cruel to you? Well, I think we're all fairly tolerant, but for the last two years we've had uh, comments like, darling, and uh, can I carry a handbag thrown at us? I think it's just had to stop now. My name is Kareem Amir, and I'm an Englishman born and bred, almost. I'm often considered to be a funny kind of Englishman, a new breed, as it were, having emerged from two old histories. But I don't care. Englishman I am, though not proud of it, from the South London suburbs and going somewhere. Perhaps it is the odd mixture of continents and blood, of here and there, of belonging and not, that makes me restless and easily bored. Or perhaps it was being brought up in the suburbs that did it. Anyway, why search the inner room when it's enough to say that I was looking for trouble, any kind of movement, action and sexual interest I could find, because things were so gloomy, so slow and heavy in our family, I don't know why. Quite frankly, it was all getting me down, and I was ready for anything. Anything. Ready for anything. Anything. Well, pretty much. He does get up to all sorts, <laughs> does Kareem. Yes, he does. <laughs> Welcome to the Curiously Specific Book Club, the podcast that is curiously specific about dates and locations in well-known books. Every episode, we take a famous book out for a walk to see if the dates and locations in the book match up with the real world. Hello, my name is Tim Wright. I'm a digital writer and a producer of immersive fiction. My name's Lloyd Shepard. I'm a digital producer and writer. And this week, we are, as we've, you may have already surmised, doing a book about 
The suburbs of South London the suburbs. suburbs of South London was sort of very close to where I grew up. We go, we're going to Bromley. Yeah, I'd never Tim. been. You'd never been to Bromley. No. And the reason we've gone there is to do a book uh, called The Buddha of Suburbia by Hanif Kureshi. Yes, that's going to be our guide. We're going to take the book down there and it's going to steer us around. Uh, we're going to follow our hero, Kareem. Yep. Creamy, as his mates Creamy. call him. So our first episode is seeing us kind of basically moving north from Bromley up towards the Norwood Ridge, Tim, which I pointed out to you when we were there. You did indeed. It's like, uh, it's like if this was Tolkien, this would be the map of the, the southern lands... The other side of the mountains. The book's divided into book one and book two. Book one is entirely set in South London. Book two is is mainly set in West London. Actually. Yes, because basically this is a story about Karim. Um, and he is a child of a white working class mum yeah. and a quite posh Indian dad. Yeah, who's then come to London and he's sort of... He now he's, works, a, he's a civil servant. Yeah, quite low paid clerk, yeah. I get the impression. Yeah. And that in fact, it's his dad who's the Buddha. He's the because his dad gets into giving local lectures down in Beckenham and Bromley about <laughs> and Buddhism just meditation yes, yeah. and karma in in the late sixties, early seventies yeah. date to be discussed. Yeah. And really this is a very broad sweep of Karim's life from sixteen to say twenty six, something like that. And his journey from schoolboy to, to actor. So it's really about that journey that some suburban working class kids took in the 60s through to the 70s to get out of the, so the need to get out of the suburbs get into the city and make something of themselves so yeah also i mean we discussed we'll discuss the dating but it is also kind of the story of the 70s in some kind in some yes, ways it is. isn't it yeah um, and centered but we'd have to say is the influence of david bowie on this yeah. book is very clear immense so should we should we should we head off on the train down to bromley south take me to bromley we did a lot of woodwork at our school and the other kids like to lock me and my friends in the storeroom and have us chant, Manchester United, Manchester United, we are the boot boys, as they held chisels to our throats and cut off our shoelaces. We are standing outside Ravenswood School on Oakley Road in Bromley. Um, it's, it's an amazing uh, 60s, 50s, 60s education institution with some modern bits on it. It's in a very strange place. It's kind of out in the country. There's lots of surrounded by fields. There's loads of horses here. Loads of horses looking at us. I don't clear We're just outside Bromley, I would say. That's Bromley Common to the north of us, Tim. Why have I brought you here? (laughs) I have no idea. Well, you're from round here. I'm from round here. If you turn around and look behind us, about 15 miles that way is uh, is Sevenoaks. This is where our hero goes to school. That's right. This was... It's now called Ravenswood School. It was the the Bromley Technical High School. Yes. It's also where David Bowie went to school. Yes. Well, it, um, I have a, a piece here from The Guardian, uh, an interview with Hanif Qureshi, where it says, Bowie attended the same school as me, Bromley Technical High School in Keston. It, well, it is actually Keston. That's Keston there. Right. But ten years earlier... It's important to note what a shithole it was. <laughs> Bullying, violent, with incompetent teachers. Education in those days for working and lower middle class children was hardly considered essential or even necessary. We were being trained to be clerks for the civil service, like his dad, yeah, yeah. Right? like the dour eponymous hero of H.G. Wells's Kips, because H.G. Wells is around yeah. here, isn't he? He's born here. A rags to riches tale of self improvement that we studied at school. 
Since Wells was the one famous local artist, apart from Richmond Crompton, yes, we saw a pub named that. Yeah, there's a Weatherspoons outside Bromley. But he's, ca- he's careful to note that, she, that actually he's from Chislehurst, and he's a bit posh as a result. Yeah. Richmond, yeah, yeah. He's not he's really not the from only one to do that. Well, it's the Susie Sue. Susie. Yeah, he does. He does say that about Susie Sue <laughs> as well. They're not really from Bromley or no. Keston. They're from Chislehurst, and they're a bit posh. Yeah. Susie Sue's a bit posh. Do you know what I found out while I was researching? That um, while looking up this stuff, Susie Sue comes up as part of the Bromley contingent. Um, but she was posh in Chislehurst. And then, did you know that there was a um, there was a Chinese restaurant in Chislehurst called Hong Kong Garden? <laughs> That's just that's the, that's my favourite fact it. this year so far. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? I found a bit on um, oldlady.com, shade, sorry, shadyoldlady.com, which is a... Oh, we've used that before. Uh, we yeah. have used that. Again. Shady Old Lady's Guide to London, about Bromley Technical High School when Bowie came here. Yep. Uh, despite its status, it was by the time Bowie arrived in 1958 as rich in arcane ritual as any English public school. There were houses named after 18th century statesmen like Pitt and Wilberforce. There was a uniform and an elaborate system of rewards and punishments. There was also an accent on languages, science and particularly design where a collegiate atmosphere flourished under the tutorship of Owen Frampton. Ah, who was Peter Frampton? Owen dad. Frampton comes alive. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Qureshi says in an interview with Will Self that on his first day here, one of the teachers put two rods on the desk and said, this is Big Willie and this one's Little Willie. You'll be seeing a lot of these two. Yeah. Owen Frampton is Peter Frampton's dad. Yeah. And when Peter Frampton came to school here, he made, he made friends with David Bowie. They were... In a, they they were, were. Well, they, apparently Owen encouraged them both to, to go and do music on this thing I've just read. Bowie taught Frampton some tunes on the guitar. Did he? In the art... Because uh, Frampton, his dad was originally the art teacher. In fact, Hanif Karishi said he was there when he was there. He said he was the only good teacher there. That oh, in Frampton? Yeah, he said okay. he, he had good things to say about him. Yeah. But if you want to come and do, do a pilgrimage to David Bowie's place of education, and Hanif Karishi's all that, get our Bromley South Station, jump on the 320 bus, and uh, it's eight stops. There you go. How about the precision stuff? <laughs> That's very good. It's not the dullness of the place, I think, that bothers me, really. It's the idea that the expectations of, of those who surrounded us and, you know, you might say it was quite difficult to be involved in culture. And that's partly to do with, partly to do with class. I mean, being lower, lower middle class, you might say, everybody around you, the world was much narrower. You couldn't dream very high. You know, if you're lucky, you might move to Beckham, which was considered to be the local apogee of, of, of class. And so I'm quite interested in the limitations and how, if you're lucky, you can overcome them. So the three of us left the cul-de-sac, which was Victoria Road. We walked through the gloomy, echoing streets to the pub, past turdy parks, past the Victorian school with outside toilets, past the numerous bomb sites, which were our true playgrounds and sexual schools, and past the neat gardens and scores of front rooms containing familiar strangers and televisions shining like dying lights. Eva always called our area the higher depth. <laughs> well, she would. She's from Chislehurst. No, he was from Beckenham. Oh, she's Beckenham. She's looking down on them, though, so isn't she? Beckenham's she? looking down on Bromley. Yeah. Uh, and Bromley's looking down on Croydon, I hear. Uh, that is... That is. We, we both read the same thing, that for writer's life, David Bowie, if something slightly crappy had happened, he'd always say, that's so very Croydon. 
So we are uh, we are sitting on a wall yes. in Victoria Road in Bromley. There is a Victoria Road. It isn't a cul-de-sac, unfortunately. No, well, that curves we were working it, quite hard. There's a no entry sign at the top, and there's a very new ambulance centre up the top there. It could conceivably um, have so been a cul-de-sac at that, that end. might have been a cul-de-sac up the top there. But it, a, it's called Victoria Road. The other reason it's 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 quite good is that at the beginning of the book, Creamy Kareem comes home to find his dad doing handstands in the in the bedroom. Yeah, in his pants. His mother gets very <laughs> annoyed by the fact that he's doing that with all that hanging at his front. Yes. And Kareem says it's fine. There's no no one can see in it. There's nothing. There's no other house for like a hundred yards, ah. which is a bit weird actually around here. But actually, if you look at the back of these houses on Victoria Road, yes. on both sides, they've got massive gardens. Pretty good, big, aren't they? And so the houses behind would be quite a long, long way away. And a young That's person right. might say they were a hundred yards away. So it's quite good in that regard. It's about halfway between the station and the school. It feels a good road as well. It's got it's it, lots of deta- semi-detached and terraced houses. It's, it's very good. suburban. Very suburban. You feel like you're on the end. And the the street behind is quite a big road. It's got houses down one side, but then everything the other side is is new build since the 80s. So it would have just been fields down there. So it would have felt like you were right on the edge of London here. In my preparation to come down to your part of the world, yeah, um, I, I did a bit of research. And I found a, a, a piece on mylondon.news, the scathing things South Londoners say about Bexley Heath, Bromley and Penge. <laughs> <laughs> they are quite bad. Yeah, they are. And it's all the locals. They went and interviewed the locals and they all say terrible things about their own... Their own manner. Their own manner. Bromley, one resident wrote, to most civilised people it's an utter shithole, but to the kings and princesses of Chav, it is paradise. <laughs> About penge, I did like this. They said, uh, the word penge comes from an old Anglo-Saxon term meaning the end of the woods where the pigs are fed. And with the astonishing amount of pigs inhabiting penge, this meaning has secretly prevailed. (laughs) Upon arriving at penge, you will notice a large row of very posh-looking houses lining the edge of the park. This is a false illusion. As soon as you catch sight of the railway bridge which is Bromley's borough's top flooding spot, you have thus doomed yourself for life by entering Penn. The thing was, we were supposed to be English, but to the English wogs and nigs and packies and the rest of it. Compared to jamming, I was, as a militant, a real shaker and trembler. If people spat at me, I practically thanked them for not making me chew the moss between the paving stones. But Jamila had a PhD in physical retribution. Once, a greaser rode past us on an old bicycle and said as if asking the time, eat shit, packies. Jammy sprinted through the traffic before throwing the bastard off his bike and tugging out some of his hair like someone weeding an overgrown garden. Good honour. Good honour, Jamie. Jamie's yeah. great, isn't she? It's interesting, isn't it, that uh, he writes about the experience of being Indian or Pakistani in Bromley because they're, they're very much a kind of island. You know, there's not very many people like them in this area. So this is not a story of a community of people living in South London. It's very much individual families. Yeah surrounded by white families. If you look at the demographics of 
people of Indian and Pakistan or South Asian descent yeah. living in South London. That's that's kind of how it is. You know, the Southall's obviously the big uh, Indian community. Yeah, in, and Tooting, London, I suppose. And Tooting, uh, Tooting is more Bangladeshi, I think. Oh, is it? Sorry. If you look at the numbers for, for, for South London, even in 1991, this is an extraordinary demographic, there are only 380 Pakistani people living in, in Bromley. Really? Yeah. Okay. And, uh, Three thousand Indian people, so even in '91. So it's very low numbers of people. Okay. So I think that informs the way he talks about it. Is that they're kind of, they're still very unusual in that 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 part of the yeah. world. Yeah. And then for him also, he's mixed race, so he's, he's even more unusual. He's even more unusual. I saw an interview that he did in the Guardian. It was rough down there. The racism of the '50s and '60s that we, unlike France and Germany, have grown out of was overt. You were made aware of your difference all the time. So you began to think, where does this come from? What does it mean? Mm. He says my dad, he said his dad was persecuted as he came home from work and he thought it was too difficult. But I liked my name. I wasn't going to change it to Pete Brown because apparently his dad said to him, why don't you change your name so you can fit in? So what I had to do was uncover who I really was. You saw that a lot in the 70s. Blacks, gays, women, it all came out of E.P. Thompson, author of Making of the English Working well. Class, and the idea that ordinary people have their own history. I did find an article, basically it's an article by someone called Alan Mace, called Whiteness, Class and Place in Two London Suburbs. Now, it's really talking about Beckenham rather than um, Bromley. So Beckenham, for people who uh, don't know the area, is the neighbouring borough to Bromley. Yeah. It's rather more well-to-do, I would say, than Bromley. Yes. It's a bit further in to, to central London. The other area does is Collier Row near Romford, right? Yeah. So, And the, the two conflicting things is that in Romford, the discussion about sort of racism and sense of place is that, that they've lost something because they've lost the, their rights and their access to housing and education is being eroded by, by the immigrants incomers. that they're yeah. losing they're losing the things they once had and they do return to it saying oh we've lost our village spirit and in Beckenham that's particularly true he says that the residents constructions of whiteness comes through the ability to connect metaphorically with English rurality implicitly linked oh yeah this is good he says the metaphorical is supported by the material reality of the area effect as relatively high house prices made the neighbourhood less porous filtering out poorer groups who might threaten the status of the area so they could keep it a village by keeping it, getting the poor people out. Mm. Keeping Penge at bay. Well, <laughs> Qureshi says that uh, things changed quite dramatically after the uh, Enoch Powell's Rivers of Blood speech. It was 1968. Yeah. So this book, as we were saying, starts in the early 70s. Yeah. So that's all in the air. Did you realise, I was looking up about the Rivers of Speech thing, a reputable polling company polled the general public about whether they agreed with Enoch Powell after his speech or not. 70% of people interviewed agreed with Enoch Powell. Mm. That's quite extraordinary, isn't it? I was a bit shocked by that, I have to say. It's interesting to talk about Eva because one of the things she does do in the book is that she, when her son Charlie gets into punk, Mm. he starts wearing swastikas. He does. And she doesn't like it. She's not having it, is she? She doesn't like it. And obviously that's an allusion to Sid Vicious started wearing swastikas and so did Susie Sue from Chislehurst. People from Chislehurst started wearing swastikas. That later period of the book is quite seminal as well about playing around with fascist iconography because, of course, who else did that? Well, David Bowie. 
So he is photographed, obviously arriving at Victoria Station, yeah, I believe in 1976, yeah. giving a Nazi salute. But even worse, actually, I hadn't realised it worse than that, that he'd given an interview in Playboy magazine. Nice. Uh, yes, I believe very strongly in fascism. The only way we can speed up the sort of liberalism that's hanging foul in the air is a right-wing, totally dictatorial tyranny. He didn't say that. He did. And in that same interview, Bowie claimed that Adolf Hitler was one of the first rock stars. Wow. Yeah. So that's not great. Did he talk about that later in life as being something that he regretted? (laughs) I may have made a mistake. I've seen interviews where he just says, you know, his cocaine use was so massive at that point, he doesn't really remember anything about it. That's his excuse. It was all, all said was under all a cocaine feud. There, there was Clapton talking about immigration. Wasn't oh, there? no. Well, that, I've got that here as well. well 5th of August. Five 5th of August, 1976. 76. At the Birmingham Odeon, Eric Clapton says to the audience, Enoch was right. I think we should send them all back. And he went on. I, I, I'm not going to carry I'm not going to say any more of his vile words. But then, then, Again, then, and he claims he was an alcoholic and he doesn't remember being there. Well, the backlash, of course, was the Anti-Nazi League yeah. and Rock Against Racism. Um, Brockwell Park. Uh, yes, that's right. Um, I had a Rock Against Racism badge. They were hard to find in Norfolk, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> a very, it would have singled you out, certainly. There's a very good article here called Blood and Glory in the Observer, Online Observer, which is about celebrating the Anti-Nazi League. Um, it started at the Roundhouse Chalk Farm. They published an anti-racist movement manifesto but it got picked up on really quickly and decided that what they would do is they would go to every bnp uh, national front rally and try and disrupt it and stop it because the nf were getting so many votes in local elections it was becoming an issue right so ed how do you say this ed Ed Uh, He says, Lewisham is carved on the heart of every British anti-fascist of that time, for it was the neighbourhood through which the Front intended to stage its anti-mugging march on the 13th of August 1977, after a singularly vile police rounding up a black kid supposedly stealing wallets. So that one in uh, Lewisham, August 77, was a massive fight. So Lewisham's not that far from Bromley, is it, really, in that sense? No, it's not that far from Bromley. Um, Although we have slightly fallen into the trap of talking about this through the lens of white uh, activists. Yes, now. that's true. That's true. Well, maybe we should... Do- white rock stars and white activists. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> no one whiter than David Bowie. Yeah, but, I uh, agree. And uh, we should stop doing that. <laughs> maybe we should end on the more positive idea that the first UK Indian MP came from Bromley. Come on. Who was that? Well, I hope I can... He's called Nairoji. He was yeah. elected in 1892. Really? Yes. That's fantastic. Known as the Grand Old Man of India, Naroji's long career in politics was defined by his campaigning against British rule in India. And, and there's a blue plaque on his part, house in Did he in represent Bromley. the party or was he independent? Uh, he, I think he was uh, a liberal. Yes, he was a liberal. Because Bromley's solidly conservative. So basically, days. he stood as a liberal for Holborn in 1886. He was unsuccessful despite the endorsement of Florence Nightingale. Yeah. But it was a comment by Prime Minister Lord Salisbury that the time had not come when a black constituency could elect a black man. When No, when a British constituency could elect a black man that propelled him into the national spotlight. And in the general election of July 1892, Naroji was elected as Liberal MP for Finsbury Central in the face of hostile propaganda that claimed he was a fire worshipper. God. Because he was a Zoroastrian. But he was from Bromley. 
Yeah, he was from Bromley. Superb. Amazing, isn't it? When he took his oath in the Houses of Parliament, he didn't take it on the Bible. He took it on his Zoroastrian holy book. So was he the first MP to be sworn in not on the Bible as well, then? That's maybe. That's right. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So a, a, a good well, positive good find. story. Good find. Nice to thing. perhaps end on. Yes. So, so we don't have to think again about what David Bowie said. You're listening to the Curiously Specific Book Club Podcast, the podcast that's curiously specific about dates and locations in well-known books. If you want to hear the second part of our adventure with the Buddha of Suburbia, you can listen to it right now on Patreon without any ads. All you need to do is head over to patreon.com and search for the Curiously Specific, and for the measly price of £2, you get access to all new episodes without ads, as well as photos, show notes, and maps. Lovely maps. A map of Bromley is coming your way. Yeah. Is it one of mine? It is one of mine. Yeah. yeah. An be... ugly map of An Bromley, map of Bromley <laughs> is coming your way. <laughs> and for £5, two maps. No, not two. <laughs> no, not two maps. £5, you don't have to look at the map You at don't all. have to look at Lloyd's maps at all. <laughs> no, instead, you can get access to our Discord server, where a small group of book aficionados, yeah. Simon Hemsley, hello there, You is one of the people who's just signed up to join us there. Um, there's a section in there, by the way, Simon, that's called Say Hello. Yeah, so it, say hello. So say hello. Yeah. Um, uh, so you get access to that uh, for £5, or you can stick at £2 just to get that lovely early access. But for now, it's back to South London. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? 
All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Behind Dad, the door slowly opened. A couple stood there. A tall young man with short, spiky hair dyed white. He wore silver shoes and a shiny silver jacket. He looked like a spaceman. The girl with him was dowdy in comparison. She was about 17, wearing a long hippie smock, a skirt that trailed to the ground, a hair to her waist. The door closed, and they were gone. No one was disturbed. So that's Charlie, appearing in Chislehurst, with a new look. A new glam look. A new glam look. Who do we think they could be thinking about when they, uh, when they dress like that? I can think of only one person who that might be. <laughs> oh, it went a bit country. It went a bit folky there. Well, we are standing. This is very exciting. We've been on a pilgrimage. It's very exciting, quite moving. We are standing outside four. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. It's Plasto Grove or Plasto Grove uh, in Bromley North, which is the childhood home of one and only David Jones, aka David Bowie. Wizza, wizza, wizza. You brought me to ground control. He was there from 1955 to 1968. As you pointed out, 68 was Space Odyssey year. I think so. And you said this is ground control. Oddity. Huh? I said Odd- oddity. Did I say odyssey? Yeah. But it's also Different Space song. O- it was Space Odyssey year as well, though, wasn't it? 2001? <laughs> is it? I can't remember. But yeah, so you just... It's a lovingly on- maintained little... It's a tiny house. Yeah. Oh, look. Very small David house. lady just come out of number six next door. <laughs> but... Um, it's the other end of town, so we've come on a on the three three six bus all the way around the, the side bus. streets of. Uh, it's the suburb bus, isn't it? Yeah. Well, because that's how we'd get to school. Well, we were saying it was the Bowie bus. Yeah. Yeah. We were the Bowie on the Bowie bus. It's a actually it's it's a good two and a half miles from the school, so he would have had to get the bus to school, Bowie, or on a bike. Yeah. I can't really see David Bowie on a bike somehow. David Bowie on a bike. What kind of bike would he have? Would he have a handlebar, racing handlebars? Well, he'd have a flying bike, wouldn't he? <laughs> He's too early to have a chopper. Also, he'd mess up his hair if he was going on a bike. He wouldn't go on a bike. <laughs> he'd be on the bus. He'd get the doing bus. his makeup. He'd get on the bus. <laughs> Kuri- you said to me that Kuryashi and Bowie were, became quite close, presumably when they were filming the, uh, the TV adaptation of the book. That's right, because Bowie did the soundtrack yeah. and, 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 and created some original tracks for that, actually interesting um, and, and um, that came down to South London they, they, they went round the locations together so they were Bromley stuff. boys yeah yeah and then ever since then um, Croatia claim, claims I, I, I have no reason to disbelieve it said that every year that Bowie sent him a birthday card well I think it's quite interesting the difference between North Bromley and South Bromley actually North Bromley is a little bit more I mean although the houses up here are, are very small most of the streets around it the houses are rather large they're kind of big Victorian villas it's a bit more well-to-do, I would say, than the South Bromley. His dad, in the book, is a clerk in the civil service. So he's not that badly off. No. So I think he's more likely to live this end than the other end, don't you think? Oh, I don't know. I think a, a think clerk in the, civil service, in the civil service is a pretty lowly job. Mm. I mean, it's uh, you know, this is the day before, days before computers and stuff like that. He's basically just a... Just a clerk. Just a clerk. I've just I've slightly blown away by the house more than anything. Yes, I, I have to say I think that the um, by being here, 
I am now feeling that this book is much more sort of inspired by Bowie and and referencing Bowie locations yeah um, than I thought yeah I think so I think it's, it's almost like he's Karishi's kind of thinking of his home but he's also thinking of Bowie's home no question and there's a kind of synthesis between the two well and Charlie in the book big figure in the yeah, book obviously who he absolutely adores yeah that is the model isn't it it's Bowie up really. to a point then Charlie Until he goes, gets punk then Charlie goes all Billy Idol doesn't he <laughs> he goes very Biddle I was thinking Billy Idol yeah. he mentions Generation X at one point yeah. to make it that, it, one of the that it's bands. not Billy Idol but it clearly kind it clearly of is, is Billy Idol. but it's also a bit like um, I have to say it's a little bit when Bowie embarrassingly started Tin Machine yeah but that was later though wasn't it I know but it's the same kind of thing yeah. <laughs> the thing yeah. but it, yeah it's not am I allowed to say I quite like Tin Machine Oh, end the podcast now. <laughs> I loved drinking tea, and I loved cycling. I would bike to the tea shop in the high street and see what blends they had. My bedroom contained boxes and boxes of tea and I was always happy to have new brews with which to concoct more original combos in my teapot. I was supposed to be preparing for my mock A-levels in history, English and politics, but whatever happened, I knew I would fail them. I was too concerned with other things. <laughs> other things. Well, you may be able to hear music from behind us and think that we have somehow transported ourselves to... Um Mumbai or Calcutta we're actually <laughs> we're actually on Bromley High Street yeah it's good isn't it it's very good I've never been here before you've never been to Bromley I used to come here all the time like literally maybe twice a month for about 15 years with my wow. with my parents it was the it was the big local shopping centre to so where I grew up it's pedestrianised now but you're saying cars used to come through cars here, used right? to bomb just up, up up and down here okay the reason we've come here is because Creamy Kareem Creamy Kareem uh, spends quite a lot of time hanging out on the high street. Yeah. He even mentions something that we've just uh, taken a picture of, the plaque to H.G. Wells, who was born in a house at the top end of the high street. Yes. Well, um, that site there, yeah. which is now a Primark, yeah. <laughs> is a, a great psychogeographic note, I would say. It's like a sort of cultural ley line. Yeah. Hotspot. Yeah. Got H.G. Wells. H.G. Wells. And then I found on... Um, BromleyCivicSociety.org.uk. Yeah, very good. I used those when I was talking about the David Bowie's house. Yes, well, they've got a lot of stuff about David Bowie. Unsurprisingly. <laughs> Not unsurprisingly. But they do talk about Primark in Bromley High Street to say that it used to be Medhursts. Yes. David Bowie, on the way home from school, very much liked to buy all his records there. There was a listening booth there. So his musical education started at uh, at Medhurst on the wow. site where H.G. Wells was born wow Bowie was born wow Bob culture David Jones became David Bowie well not only did he get an interest in music there I noticed there's a there's an um, an interview with him where he talks about the fact that the, the record department there was run by a wonderful married couple Jimmy and Charles there wasn't an American release they didn't have or couldn't get quite as hip as any London supplier 
I would have had a very dry musical run if it were not for this place. Wow. But he says, Jane Green, their counter-assistant, took a liking to me, and whenever I would pop in, which was most afternoons after school, <laughs> after sort of like that, anyway, she would let me play records in the sound booth. <laughs> Jane would often join me in the sound booth, and we would smooch big time to the sound of Ray Charles. Wow, is Jane Green her real name? Shouldn't this woman get some kind of plaque herself? This was very exciting as I was 13 or 14 and she would be a womanly 17 at that time. Wow, I wonder if she's still around. Charles let me buy at a huge discount in order to build a fab collection. Fab. Happy days. Jane Green. Not bad, eh? Well, I wonder if she's still out there So it's a very important site. So anyway, um, this tea shop that he goes to. Yes, how did you find the tea shop? You found it. Where did you find that? Importers Retail Sales Rooms was a small subsidiary company specialising in the sale of tea and coffee. This was a a subsidiary of Jay Lyons & Co. originally. The firm was founded by Ernest Pinkerton in 1934. Uh, They specialised in supplying exotic blends such as Blue Mountain Jamaican coffee and peppermint tea to the individual customer. The first store opened in Bromley, Kent. Before the Second World War, that's quite early for that. Uh, kind so of stuff, there's a picture isn't it? of it on the yeah. website with the with the ladies outside. Only the best teas and coffees were sold, and staff regularly gave advice to customers if required. The tea was blended century at Woolwich, where Earl Grey and Windsor were the favourite blends. However, more exotic blends were produced, including Japanese cherry, gunpowder, or gunpowder tea. Oh, well, so this is the place. This is the place, and um, I found on another website it doesn't actually get. Um, I couldn't actually find an address for it. But on another website, um, I found somebody. Uh, it's Francis Frith, actually, the the, the old photography website. Somebody yes, was leaving comments, and they said it was next to the Marks and Spencers on ah. the high street. So we are sat outside the Marks. We're actually sat outside Moss Broth, next to the Marks and Spencers on Bromley High Street, which looks quite good to me as being the lo- the uh, original location. Yes, of on the photo, and there was an element of brickwork, wasn't yeah. there? And then it joined a slightly shiny face. I mean, it's been changed like so many times so over the it, years it, that it's, it's probably it, impossible to tell for, for real. Bad. But basically opposite, um, well, Chopsticks Noodle Bar and WH Smith's. Yeah, not far from the Lidl. What have you been doing? I mean, I've been so worried about you and everything. I've been preparing for the rest of my life. And everything. Yeah. And when I look into the future, I see three things. Success. Success. And success. Success. On the way to Avers, I persuaded Dad to stop off at the three tons in Beckenham. I got off the bus. Dad had no choice but to follow me. The pub was full of kids dressed just like me, both from my school and from other schools in the area. Most of the boys, so nondescript during the day, now wore cataracts of velvet and satin and bright colours. Some were in bedspreads and curtains. The little groovers talked esoterically of Sid Barrett. To have an elder brother who lived in London and worked in fashion, music or advertising was an inestimable advantage at school. I had to study the Melody Maker and New Musical Express to keep up. I led Dad by the hand to the back room. Kevin Ayres, who had been with Soft Machine, was sitting on a stool whispering into a microphone. Two French girls with him kept falling all over the stage. Dad and I had a pint of bitter each. I wasn't used to alcohol and became drunk immediately. Dad became moody. Your mother upsets me, he said. (laughs) 
we're, we're sitting outside the three tons in Beckenham. It's this cool, is very right? exciting because um, continuing our, our uh, Buddha of Suburbia tour of the southern suburbs of London, Kent basically, yes. North Kent. What we're um, really doing what? is having a David Bowie we're tour. We're having a David Bowie tour because <laughs> the three tons, there's a big plaque outside saying this is where he launched his music career. That's right, with the Arts Lab. He started a folk music uh, club yes. here it, and then of course decided to invent glam instead. The three tons. I've got your. I looked at your site for this. Yeah, team. you're not allowed on there. I'm not allowed at this time. 157 High Street, closed pubs. Dot. Yeah. Co. How, do you, how did you get in? How did you get in? People like you in there. Oh, there's, there's, there's your a, bard. There's, a, there's your bard. <laughs> uh, he was living in Beckenham with his friend Mary Finnegan, and they were living on Foxgrove Road, I think, weren't they? And started the Beckenham Arts Lab, as you said. Anyway, the pub closed in. Well, it changed its name to the Rat and Parrot in the late 90s. Why would you do that? <laughs> no, it's weird, right? The 90s Honestly, were a funny time. Why would you do that? Anyway, no, then it became a pizza restaurant, and now it's uh, Zizzy's. Zizzy. Um, now, I looked up um, Kevin Ayres, uh, his, tour, his tour guide. So You're uh, going to tell me he never played here or something? I'm not going to tell you that, no. I'm going to tell you. He played at the Three Tons on the 7th of May, 1972. 7th of May, 1972. So we've got a very specific date Very specific into the Three Tons. I have a worry that... And if Kirisha has not looked at the gig list and thought about that. <laughs> You're thinking it might have been 1970, right? Yeah. But we'll talk about that in the dating later yeah, on. Yeah, 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 yeah. But in terms of the Still, location, so they're heading to I don't Eva's think house. You, by the way, I don't think you talked earnestly about Sid Barrett you know, by 1972. I think it depends where you, would, where you were in the country, doesn't yeah. it? 1970 I mean, uh, you might be doing I mean, that. He's, he does make out in that passage that people in Beckenham and Bromley are, are quite up with things, actually, because yeah. they're to be reading... Fair, I still talk earnestly press. about Sid Barrett, so... Esoterically? Esoterically, I do, yeah, I do that. You talk esoterically about quite a lot of things, though, so you know, I'm not sure that counts. <laughs> Sid Barrett just happened to be on that about day. about Norwich City. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> a couple of other things about Three Tons I'd like to add. One is I found a fantastic board where the people have got memories of it called mclanemuir.proboards.com and it's even got a guy here who said, said that every Friday night there was a reggae club here in the 60s the sounds were by Galaxy Sound and it mixed with skinheads, blue beaters and everybody else there was, so it's quite a mix it's, it's a melange just, yeah so it's not just um, folk and glam yeah that every night there's a re- and this look and then this guy Penthouse Dave turns up Penthouse Dave I used to DJ at the Three Tons with a in the late like 60s. Days. That doesn't surprise me. We played ska, rock steady, reggae, and plenty of soul and tamla. Not bad, is it? So it's a very rich musical sort of hub, this, with all kinds of sounds. And then, if you didn't want to do a David Bowie, came down here and you thought, oh, I'm sick of David Bowie. <laughs> Can't we, can't we David think Bowie? about another kind of tour? Listen to this. When that, there's a, there's a plaque on the front of Zizzy's that says David Bowie. That plaque was put up in a, I don't, a few years ago now. But the person who played, played music here on that day was Steve Harley. Cotney Rebel. Yeah, so he's from Deptford originally. No, he said, at that, at that event, he said, when David went off to be a pop star with Space Oddity, I found myself playing more and more Sundays covering him. Eventually, I was offered my first headline spot at the Arts Lab and was paid the princely sum of 15 quid. Bowie indirectly kick-started my professional career. Well, so without, 
Swings and roundabouts. David Bowie, there'd be no Cockney <laughs> Rebel. Would, hey? we, would, we, would we be much the poorer? He's going to hum one of his little songs now. Tim Wright, the human jukebox. I'll just let you run. Finished? Somebody who got very famous as well, and um, he did his first gig here at the Tones, and it was his first paying gig. Please welcome Steve Harley. You got 15 quid. <laughs> 15 quid. There's one, I wrote this about that time, so my reason for The K's were much better off than us and had a bigger house with a little drive and a garage and a car. Their place stood on its own in a tree-lined road just off Beckenham High Street. It also had bay windows, an attic, a greenhouse, three bedrooms and central heating. That's very specific. It's very specific. Eva Kay. Eva Kay. No, she's nice. She likes books. Yeah, and she's really sweet towards Kareem. Stondahl and... Yeah, well, she's very aspirational. Yeah, but you know, I think there's there's a, there's not, not any uh, any hint in the book that there's anything naff about her. No, not at all. She's a very loving, kind person. Yeah, I yeah, think so. Absolutely. Where are we? Well, I'm looking at a bandstand. Rather a nice one. It's rather nice. It's a little bit run down. It's it quite. Is. It's quite. It's quite beautiful. It's it, quite a small bandstand. It needs a repaint, doesn't it's it? It's surrounded by a uh, a metal fence to stop people climbing into the bandstand. Yeah. Um, it's on the corner of. Croydon Road Recreation Ground. Croydon Road, yes. Well, the naming committee for there really did their job, didn't they? (laughs) Um, I'm going to read something to you now. Oh, go on then. The children of the summer's end gathered in the dampened grass. We played our songs and felt the London sky resting on our hands. It was God's land. It was ragged and naive. It was heaven. We can't be describing Beckenham. That was, of course, Memory of a Free Festival ah, by David Bowie. Yes. From his album Space Oddity. Yes. And it, he, he is recounting, recounting a uh, festival that was held right here, Tim. Yes, indeed. On that very bandstand. There's lovely photos. In 1969? Yes, 1969. There's some fabulous photos online of, from, that, from that event on flashback.com. Really great. So... As we've, we, we've discovered that this Bud of Suburbia tour is actually a David Bowie tour in disguise. Yes. And none the worse for it, I would say. Uh, this is actually, again, a bit like Bowie's house. I find it very moving to be sat here and thinking he was up there. Up there trying to put on a show. Making something, making himself. The reason I think it's also quite interesting is that it, Ava's house is described as being on a tree-lined street. And it's, the street is decided, it's described as being running off Beckenham High Street. Now, Beckenham High Street is quite a long road. There are quite long streets running off it. But if we say that the streets must be 
running off Beckenham High Street quite near the three tons. Yes. Because that's where they stop for a beer. There is an obvious candidate. Yes. Up uh, Village Way. Village, Village Way. Way has got big houses on it and is tree-lined. And the reason I find that appealing is the, the houses on one side of Village Way back onto this park. Yeah. Later in the uh, chapter that Tim just read from, Haroon and Eva are going to indulge in a, a spot of passionate lovemaking. Yeah, noisy. In Eva's garden. Yeah. I quite like the idea that Eva's garden might be backing on to where David Bowie had his free festival. <laughs> I really, really want that to be true. Well, more than I've wanted anything in quite a long time. More importantly, there's another sex scene in that chapter. Oh, there is, yes. Charlie and um, and Karim yes have a, a bit of a mutual masturbation mutual masturbation scene in the attic in the attic we'd have a good view we had a good view of the bandstand from there <laughs> <laughs> it's so good are you not telling me that Hanif Kuryesh didn't think of that I mean he he knew about this bandstand yeah he's put them on, he's put them on off Beckenham High Street on a tree line road he's got the three tons yeah 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 he's playing he's he's enjoying playing. Well, he's the a massive Bowie fanboy, clearly. Of course he don't is. You think? I told you, by the way, that you're talking of North London. One of the things it says about the house where they moved to in West Kensington is that just round the corner that Mandy Rice Davis has a flat. Did you know that Mandy Rice Davis was actually quite... She was part of David Bowie's sort of gang in the 60s down here. Yeah. So, and she attended this concert. Mandy Rice Davis would have been here. Basically, Steve Harley would have been here. Mandy Rice Davis would have been here. Peter Frampton would have been here. <laughs> it's crazy, right? It's crazy, but it's also brilliant, isn't it? It's brilliant. God, Engl- God England was interesting in those days. This day, the 60s, funny little it? bandstand in the middle of the suburbs. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. extraordinary. When I arrived at Uncle Anwar's shop, Paradise Stores, I could see their daughter Jamila filling shelves. Her mother, the Princess Jita, was on the till. Paradise Stores was a dusty place with a high, ornate and flaking ceiling. There was an inconvenient and tall block of shelves in the centre of the shop, around which customers shuffled, stepping over tins and cartons. The goods seemed to be in no kind of order. Jita's till was crammed into a corner by the door, so she was always cold and wore fingerless gloves all year round. Amwa's chair was at the opposite end, in an alcove, from which he looked out expressionlessly. Outside were boxes of vegetables. Paradise opened at eight in the morning and closed at ten at night. It's interesting, this. Later on, it says it's Mm. next to a library. Yes, and in fact, it then says that upstairs in the bedroom you could look out the window and see the library. Yep. And um, uh, so even later on, they, they, they visit the shop, various people, and they park next to the shop uh, outside the library. Right. So, where's so the library's library? key? Where's the library, Tim? There is a Penge library. Uh, well, I got very confused about this. Because There's a Penge library on Green Lane. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Which is um, a rather scuzzy building, to be honest. Next door to it is a sort of quite a modern 70s structure. I don't think it's right. Well, there's no the, the there's old no police, stores next to no, it. No, the old police station is opposite it. Not, there's no stores there, no, and, and never not. would have been. No. So I think that 
I think you count that. Oh, actually, the other well, the other Go thing on. to say, of yeah. course, is that 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 Penge Library is quite relatively modern. Is that actually the original Penge Library is at Betts Hall Park? Yeah, and then was um, shut down in 1968. Right. And then alongside it, they put a temporary, what they called, this is brilliant, a temporary building for right. the library that lasted until 1977. Okay. The so temporary that, building. So that building wouldn't have been the library in 1970, no. whatever this is. No, it would have been up that okay. way. And there's right. absolutely no shops up there. Well, I found another uh, potential candidate. I actually found it on a property auction house. How did you find that? Uh, I think I probably searched for Penge Library something or other. Did quite a a well-located former library measuring approximately 1,980 square feet. Okay. So the corner of Blenheim Road and Maple Road, just off, off the main road through Penge, is, used to be, I think, a, a, a library. It was called The Library. didn't have a name for that. I've got a picture on it on geograph.org.uk. Hmm. See it there. It's just a one-story. It must have been a very small library. It says it's a library. But it's called The Library. One of the things I like about it is that there's actually um, grocery stores on either side of it. Yes. There's a big halal meat and grocers retail and wholesale store, Pench Halal Meat and Grocers. Yes. On one side. But on the other side, and sort of across, across opposite on Blenheim Road, is the Pench Cash and Carry Limited, which we both like, don't we? Well, it's a classic corner shop. It is type thing. I mean, it, I, I sense it's not big enough, given the description we just read out yeah. with its ornate ceiling, a big ornate ceiling. Yeah. That sounds like quite a large space. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and so this isn't big enough, but it has got depth. There are there but are been, two rooms through. A lot it's been of that, a lot of there's been a lot of property conversions. In yeah, the last and the ceiling's years. quite high. The yeah. ceiling is definitely high. So I'm quite liking this as the locale. I'm, taking I'm not the sure penge. the original f- shop and the original layout is here anymore, but I think he's thinking of here. Yeah, I think you come here and you look at the Penge Cash and Carry and you think of the library there and being able to park your car there. This, yeah. this works for me. I'm completely, it's just off Penge High Street. Yeah. We got here a very quick bus ride from, from the, the uh, Bowie, bas- the bu- Bowie Bandstand. Ba- bandstand. Um, so if you were on a bike, um, it would be very easy. Well, the other interesting thing is, is it's, it's much more... Um, South Asian around here, isn't it? Yes, it is. That's suddenly, true. Rather suddenly. Yes, compared, compared to, to Beckenham. Well, yes. I, and compared to Bromley, actually. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's much more... I don't know if it's Pakistan or India, or, but it's definitely Muslim South Asian. There is a mosque on Penge High Street as yeah. well. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. So, so I don't know how long that's been so there. So it's quite good. But uh, that idea that, you, that he might have cycled... When, 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 when Dad goes to live with Eva and he moves in with them... Yeah down in Beckenham and then he flits from the between there and the store yeah this route feels quite good well the other the other thing that was occurring to me while we were coming up on the bus as you come up from the south you realize that this is the last bit of this bit of the suburb before you hit the Norwood Ridge yes right yes so once you go through the tunnel at Sydenham we're then into the squats of Herne Hill Oh, <laughs> yes. described in the book so we're in the journey and Brixton and Victoria and it's a different vibe yeah. on that side of the hill to yeah. this side yeah it is very it's much like, so uh, it's like we're going into it's like in a I don't know a Tolkien novel you're going through the mountain range and you emerge into a different world well you go through the great north wood and you emerge into the but it's quite interesting London. that there are, there are mentions of Brixton and Herne Hill. Yeah, it's being really run down. But no one and ever don't goes go there. there. No, it's no too rough. No one ever goes there. No, it's too it's like rough. The, the, the blasted lands. Yeah. 
So I'm allowed to leave Bromley and Penge now, am I? Well, we're about to uh, head through the tunnel of the Norwood Ridge, Tim, on the train. So, yeah, we're going to, in part two of uh, this Buddha of Suburbia adventure, we're going to follow Kareem's career as he... Kareem's career. Kareem's career. Kareem's career. Uh, as he crosses the river into, yes. the, into the north side of London. Actually, he goes west. He goes to the west side of London. West Kensington is where west we're Kensington, going. Which is somewhere I don't think I've ever been to Ooh, West Kensington. Well, I, I spent a bit of time there, again, my, my old band days. Yeah. There was a studio down there. We used to record demos down so there. So we're going to go to uh, West London. We're going to talk about... We're going to talk about rock and roll. We're going to talk about Thin Lizzy. We're going to talk about the Sex Pistols yes. and the Pogues. Yes. Uh, we're going to talk about Riverside Studios and theatre. Oh, we're going to talk about alternative theatre. I'm looking theater forward to that. the 1970s. Yeah. Um, but so there's lots of juicy stuff in there. So, and we're also going to uh, give you a biography of Hanif Qureshi. We're going to talk about the context when the book came out. And we're going to do our dating and rating. Yes. Uh, so join us for part two uh, in your ears in a week's time, unless you're on Patreon, which you can listen to it right now because it's there waiting for you. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com <laughs>